This is Lucan Priorities, a podcast about New Testament studies, early Christianity, and ecclesial theology. I'm Andrew Waller, and you're listening to episode two, which is the first in a new series on the orations of Gregory Nazianzen. Today, we'll be reading Oration One. This podcast is coming out of a bit of a coronatide hibernation, and we're going to try something sort of new, but not really new. I enjoyed going through a series of readings from the Gospel of Luke this past Advent in the 24 Days, 24 Chapters series, and I thought it would be fun to do something similar, but with classic homilies from the Church Fathers. I spend most of my time in the world of New Testament studies, but I'm always looking for opportunities to engage with patristics, so here we are. I ran a highly scientific Twitter poll to see who folks wanted to hear, and Gregory Nazianzen beat both Basil the Great and John Chrysostom by a pretty decent margin. I think Gregory is actually a great choice for this series. Although he's perhaps not as famous as Chrysostom for his preaching, he is regarded as one of the most rhetorically skilled Christian orators of the patristic era. Often we think of the New Testament texts or the writings of the Church Fathers as texts that we're supposed to read. However, many of these texts were meant to be voiced and read aloud. This is especially true of Gregory's orations. These words aren't meant to stay trapped as ink on the page. Rather, like all Christian preaching, Gregory's words are intended to be given voice so that they can live in our ears and our minds. Today, I'll be reading Gregory's Oration 1 from the classic Philip Schaff edition of the Nicene and Post-Nicene Fathers. As we go, listen for the yesterday and today language that Gregory uses to describe the resurrection of Christ and its impact. This oration makes it clear that Gregory doesn't view the resurrection as an event that is stuck in the past. Instead, Gregory sees the resurrection as a reality that is firmly lodged in the present and in the now. For Gregory, the resurrection is a mystery that carries believers out of the yesterday of sin and death and into the today of eternal life, feasting, and sacrificial obedience to God. Having said all that, let's hear from Gregory. If you'd like to read along, I'll be posting a link to the edition I'm using in the show notes. Oration 1. On Easter and Gregory's Reluctance. It is the day of the resurrection, and my beginning has good auspices. Let us then keep the festival with splendor, and let us embrace one another. Let us say, brethren, even to those who hate us, much more to those who have done or suffered aught out of love for us. Let us forgive all offenses for the resurrection's sake. Let us give one another pardon, I for the noble tyranny which I have suffered, for I can now call it noble, and you who exercised it, if you had cause to blame my tardiness. For perhaps this tardiness may be more precious in God's sight than the haste of others. For it is a good thing even to hold back from God for a little while, as did the great Moses of old and Jeremiah later on, and to then run readily to him when he calls, as did Aaron and Isaiah, so only both be done in a dutiful spirit, the former because of his own want of strength, the latter because of the might of him that calleth. 
a mystery anointed me. I withdrew a little while at a mystery, as much as was needful to examine myself. And now I come in with a mystery, bringing with me the day as a good defender of my cowardice and weakness, that he who today rose again from the dead may renew me also by his spirit, and clothing me with the new man may give me to his new creation, to those who are begotten after God, as a good modeler and teacher for Christ, willingly both dying with him and rising again with him. Yesterday, the lamb was slain, and the doorposts were anointed, and Egypt bewailed her firstborn, and the destroyer passed us over, and the seal was dreadful and reverend, and we were walled in with the precious blood. Today we have clean escaped from Egypt and from Pharaoh, and there is none to hinder us from keeping a feast to the Lord our God, the feast of our departure, or from celebrating that feast, not in the old leaven of malice and wickedness, but in the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, carrying with us nothing of ungodly and Egyptian leaven. Yesterday, I was crucified with him. Today, I am glorified with him. Yesterday, I died with him. Today, I am quickened with him. Yesterday, I was buried with him. Today, I rise with him. But let us offer to him who suffered and rose again for us. You will think, perhaps, that I am going to say gold or silver or woven work or transparent and costly stones, the mere passing material of earth that remains here below and is for the most part always possessed by bad men, slaves of the world and of the prince of this world. Let us offer ourselves the possession most precious to God and most fitting. Let us give back to the image what is made after the image. Let us recognize our dignity. Let us honor our archetype. Let us know the power of the mystery and for what Christ died. Let us become like Christ, since Christ became like us. Let us become gods for his sake, since he for ours became man. He assumed the worse that he might give us the better. He became poor that we, through his poverty, might be rich. He took upon him the form of a servant, that we might receive back our liberty. He came down that we might be exalted. He was tempted that we might conquer. He was dishonored that he might glorify us. He died that he might save us. He ascended that he might draw to himself us who were lying low in the fall of sin. Let us give all, offer all, to him who gave himself a ransom and a reconciliation for us. But one can give nothing like oneself, understanding the mystery, and becoming for his sake all that he became for ours. As you see, he offers you a shepherd. For this is what your good shepherd, 
who lays down his life for his sheep, is hoping and praying for, and he asks from you, his subjects. And he gives you himself double instead of single, and makes the staff of his old age a staff for your spirit. And he adds to the inanimate temple a living one, to that exceedingly beautiful and heavenly shrine, this poor and small one, yet to him of great value, and built too with much sweat and many labors. Would that I could say it is worthy of his labors. And he places at your disposal all that belongs to him. O great generosity! Or it would be truer to say, O fatherly love! His whorehairs, his youth, the temple, the high priest, the testator, the heir, the discourses which you were longing for, and of these not such as are vain, and poured out into the air in which reach no further than the outward ear, but those which the Spirit writes, and engraves on tables of stone, or of flesh, not merely superficially graven, nor easily to be rubbed off, but marked very deep, not with ink, but with grace. These are the gifts given you, by this august Abraham, this honorable and reverend head, this patriarch, this resting place of all good, this standard of virtue, this perfection of the priesthood, who today is bringing to the Lord his willing sacrifice, his only son, him of the promise. Do you on your side offer to God and to us obedience to your pastors? dwelling in a place of herbage, and being fed by water of refreshment, knowing your shepherd well and being known by him, and following when he calls you as a shepherd, frankly, through the door, but not following a stranger climbing into the fold like a robber or a traitor, nor listening to a strange voice when such would take you away by stealth and scatter you from the truth on mountains and in deserts and pitfalls, and places which the Lord does not visit, and which would lead you away from the sound faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the one power and Godhead, whose voice my sheep always heard, and may they always hear it, but with deceitful and corrupt words would tear them from their true shepherd, from which may we all be kept, shepherd and flock, as from a poisoned and deadly pasture, guiding and being guided far away from it, that we may all be one in Christ Jesus our Lord, now and unto the heavenly rest, to whom be the glory and the might forever and ever. Amen. One of the fascinating ideas that Gregory brings out towards the end of this oration is the notion that Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac is an analogy for the work of God in Christ. God the Father is the greater Abraham, offering up his own son of promise. This gift, Gregory says, enables us to follow the Good Shepherd and to hear his voice in the today of the resurrection and to continue in faithful obedience to God as we journey towards, as he puts it, the heavenly rest. I'm going to be continuing this series with more selected orations from Gregory, as well as other episodes featuring discussions of books, articles, and possibly even some interviews, so stay tuned for those. 
If you'd like to keep up with new episodes as they come out, you can subscribe to the podcast, and you can also find me on Twitter at at LucanPriorities and at Andrew H. Waller. Join us next time when we'll be reading together Gregory's Oration 12. Thanks for listening.